Thank you, Kai. And as Kai's already pointed out, this is a similar story to what we had this morning. We had Matthew's version of it, um, and Kai was preaching on that here, and we haven't compared notes. So I'm just trusting that what I say tonight is going to be different to what Kai said this morning. When I saw it was the same passage, I was tempted to change the reading. And then I thought, no, don't give in to temptation. That's the very first thing we learn about this, isn't it? So uh, that's where we are. We're in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. We're looking at this. And I wonder how good... Are you at resisting temptation? Are you strong at this? When we think about temptation, we often think of things, don't we, that are a little bit naughty. Uh, some of us of a certain age remember those adverts by the National Dairy Council for cream cakes. Do you remember those, some of you? Naughty but nice. Apparently that slogan was coined by Salman Rushdie, according to the research I did, believe it or not. So I'm sure it's just a, a short step there from there to the satanic verses. And I love this fact, and I checked it out last week. This is, this is completely true on temptation. If you go to the website of Weight Watchers UK, the very first question it asks you is, do you accept all cookies? <laughs> I mean, if you agree, that's, that's your problem right there, isn't it? You don't need any, any, any further help from there. Temptation. It's a serious subject, though. And tonight we had that reading about Jesus' temptation. We heard the same this morning, and maybe some of us actually need to hear this passage twice to remind ourselves, because sin is something serious, not something to joke about or sweep aside in our age of tolerance and go for that naughty but nice. Charles Spurgeon said these words, If Christ has died for me, I cannot trifle with the evil that has killed my best friend. We are called to hate sin and to resist temptation. It's serious stuff. The book of Romans begins with Paul saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We often like to stop there, but that passage goes on. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Sin is serious. Serious enough for Jesus to have to die. And sin, it begins with temptation. Temptation itself isn't sin. But if we give in, that's what it can lead to. Rereading this passage, uh, Luke's version, I saw something I'd never seen before. It's lovely when you go and prepare a sermon and you think, oh, I've never seen that before. Um, It was verse 2 here where it said, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And previously I thought, Jesus goes into the wilderness. He has 40 days of prayer and fasting. So he must be you know, on a real spiritual high when Satan comes along and, and tempts him. But no, it says Satan's been tempting him for 40 days, day after day. And that's the way... Temptation often works, isn't it? The nature of temptation. Something that happens and wears us down. It happens again and again. And we give in. So why does God allow it? What's the point of temptation, you might ask? Uh, Michael Green gives this reason. Temptation, he says, builds spiritual muscle. When we learn to resist temptation, we grow stronger in our faith and become better disciples of Jesus. 
And here we see Jesus being tempted with some age-old temptations, the big three temptations. Some call them passion, possession, and position. Passion, the temptations of the body. Possession, temptations of belongings, to have some stuff. And position, the temptation of becoming someone important. The body, belongings, and becoming. And they go right back to the beginning. We remember when the serpent was tempting and deceiving Eve. This is what Genesis 3, 6 says. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. And then we see the three again. Good for food. That passion, the temptation of the body. It tastes good. Hungry. Want to eat it. Fulfill our natural desires. Pleasing to the eye. It looked good to have. You see things and you want them. Desirable for gaining wisdom. Becoming who we might become. That status that we might have in the eyes of the other. So let's look at this passage in Luke. And how Jesus faces these temptations. And what he does. Body, belongings and the temptation to become. The first temptation for Jesus comes from a natural human desire. It's the desire for food. There's nothing wrong with natural desires in themselves. We read in verse 2, Jesus was hungry. That's not a sin. It's not wrong to want to satisfy our natural human desires. But we need to be in control. We need to be masters of our bodies and let, and let our human nature, not let our human nature rule over our actions and what we do. And Jesus here shows amazing powers, doesn't he? 40 days. Uh, at the end of them, that lovely understatement, he was hungry. Uh, I'm sure uh, that was just very much understating what he was feeling. He must have even been imagining those stones look like bread. And Satan tempts Jesus here to give in to his two, human nature to do his will, perform a miracle and get some bread. And that challenges us tonight. Who really is in control of our life? Are we people who follow our own human nature, going whatever we fancy next, not resisting anything, or are we growing in that fruit of the Spirit, self-control? As Kai mentioned at the beginning, Lent is where we are as a season for the church. And Lent is a, traditionally a time for fasting or a time for giving something up. Not to punish ourselves or to make ourselves feel sad or glum for a while, but it demonstrates to ourselves who is in control. You're hungry, says Satan to Jesus. You've done all the fasting you need to do. End of the 40 days. You've done it. What about some lovely bread? Go on, just turn these stones into bread for me. Go on, you deserve it. How often do we hear that voice and fall into the same temptation? You deserve it. We hear those voices, don't we? You don't need to get up early. Have a lie in bed. You don't need to get up and pray and read your Bible. Have a lie and it's been a tough week. You deserve it. It's raining outside. It's not looking good. I'm sure other people will go to the prayer meeting instead of you. Have an evening off. It's been tough. You deserve it. You've been working hard for the church this week. You don't need to go to that prayer meeting. These little voices that creep in. And because we're naturally lazy, well I am anyway, and naturally spiritually lazy. I knew of one church that had evening prayer every Sunday, attended by the vicar. 
and the vicar alone. And since there was never a congregation, the vicar decided to stop having the evening services. Pointless. Only to be met by an outraged church committee. But we like to know that the vicar is there in church, praying for us while we're at home with our families. It's so easy, isn't it, to get spiritually lazy. Let other people do the work. Go on, says Satan. You deserve it. Just this little thing. And the temptations of the body, they come in all different forms. This Lent, we need to be aware of that little voice of temptation, making us spiritually lazy. Temptations of the body. Temptations of belongings. The second temptation Jesus faced and one we face here is often that of possessions. The draw of belongings. Having more stuff. Of greed. We see things and we want them. We want to have more and more. And we want to have more and more stuff. To have it all. So in our passage, the devil leads Jesus up to a high place and shows him all the kingdoms of the world, all the riches, all the gold, all the silver, all the good stuff. And he offers it all to Jesus. And all he needs to do is to Jesus, just bow down and worship me and you can have all of this. How tempting. We see stuff, don't we? And we want it. Advertisers know this, uh, which is why they show us pictures of stuff that they're trying to sell us. Do we fall for it? Are we guilty of falling for that temptation of possession? Of wanting more and more stuff instead of seeking God? An American campaigner for simplicity, Dave Bruno, wrote these words. Stuff, stuff, he said, is not passive. Stuff wants your time, your attention, your allegiance. But you know as well as I do, life is more important than the things we accumulate. Stuff. I wonder what's on your Amazon wish list at the moment. What's the next project you've got to improve your house? What plans do you have to buy new things? There's nothing wrong with these things in themselves. But has it taken our focus off God? Has stuff, have things, technology, whatever, has it become the reason for living? The reason you go to work? Jesus responds to Satan, doesn't he, with these words. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We need to be aware of that temptation just to possess to have more belongings to collect stuff the temptations of the body the temptations of belongings the temptation of becoming to become someone to increase our status basically pride the temptation if you like to show off to want others to think of us as being important go on says satan to jesus show me if you are the son of god jump he says God will rescue. Show me. Impress me. Do your Superman, Superman act from the top of the building and dive down. This is often a tricky one for us to defeat. We like to be liked. We want others to think good things about us. Even if we have to control our natural cravings for pleasure and things, we can dedicate our lives to making other people like us, to achieving a high place in society. Bible continually warns us against pride and its effects. Proverbs 16, these famous words, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What's wrong with pride? Pride is a sin because it gives ourselves the credit for something that God has done. Pride is taking the glory that belongs to God himself and keeping it for ourselves. Pride, if you like, is self-worship. So these are tough things 
in this Lent as we assess ourselves. Temptations of the body, temptations of belongings, getting more stuff, and the temptation to become someone we're not, and being self-important. Maybe we're guilty of one or more of these things. All this thinking about temptations can be rather depressing because when I sat down and looked at these, I realized I've fallen for them all. I'm probably still doing so, and maybe you are too. So what do we do? How can we counter these voices of temptation? What can we do? What is the antidote to these temptations of the body? The antidote, integrity. Being consistent with God. Not having a day off from being a Christian. Sometimes it's tempting, isn't it? When you've been to church or done something, have a God, you think, I'll have a day off now, do a bit less. We blow hot and cold. We need to be the same person when no one's watching. Remind ourselves of what God's standards are. Continue to read our Bible. Challenge ourselves. Temptations of the body. Temptations of belonging to get more stuff. What's the antidote to that? Where's the opposite? It's generosity. We need to work at giving things away, not getting things. Look at the needs of others, not what we want for ourselves. Do we really need all that stuff we're collecting? What about giving some away? How about giving towards the church? Giving our time? Are we givers or takers in this community here? Are we generous? Temptations of the body, the belongings of becoming. Temptation of becoming, what's the antidote? Humility. Looking to serve others and not to be served ourselves. Aiming to please God and not people. Thinking of others more highly than ourselves. Having a realistic opinion of ourselves and who we are. And remembering that pride coming before a fall. I was thinking about that last weekend. I had the the joy and the privilege of taking my first canon in residence slot down at the cathedral. And if ever there's somewhere that gives you the wrong sense of self-importance, it's the cathedral. Uh, I got to dress up in all sorts of really fine robes and process around looking very, very important. And it was great fun. And I started to think, oh, you know, I'm quite important now. I'm a canon of the cathedral. I get to wear this chasuble and this lovely cape with all this gold on and things like that. And I felt really good until, of course, it came to the, the processions and I would be processing and then I'd hear a voice from the side, Mark, Mark, over here, because I'd taken a wrong turning and gone completely the wrong way, standing in the wrong part of the building and suddenly I felt very small again and knew that I'd got it all wrong. Humility, it's important. Just more advice here. Three little simple things just as we finish with this. Three things that struck me about this. How to deal with temptation. Three simple things. Scripture, spirit, and starting again. Because first, as I'm sure you notice how Jesus dealt with temptation by quoting scripture. Commentators say he'd probably been, during these 40 days, he'd probably been meditating on the book of Deuteronomy because all of his answers came from there. He was deeply engrossed in that. That was the first thing that came to his mind. He could have quoted lots of scripture against Satan here, but they all came from the same book. And so probably that was his quiet time for the day or the day before or whatever. That's what he'd been studying and meditating. He was fresh there from his meditations on scripture. And we need to be the same. To keep the Bible close to us, in our heads, ready to quote to ourselves when those voices of temptations come. Scripture. Secondly, the spirit. 
we skip over, don't we, often the, when we read these passages, skip over the first little verse and get straight on, you know, what's happening, what's Jesus being tempted to do, and what's Satan saying to him. But just right at the beginning, the very first verse here, Jesus, it said, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And my Spirit appears twice in that first verse. Jesus, full of the Spirit. That's where we need to be. If we want to resist temptation, we need to be asking God for more of his Holy Spirit in our lives to make us strong in the Spirit, to be full again. Scripture, Spirit. And lastly, and very importantly, the chance to start again. We realize that we are not Jesus. He is perfect. We are not. We've all failed. I'm sure we've all at some stage given in to temptation. Though we strive not to, we do. But the good news is that God gives us that chance to start again. As we sit there this evening, we might be thinking about things and ways we've given in to temptation over the years, over the weeks, over the last few days, just today, what we might have done. But there's a chance to start again always with God. He's always ready to forgive us, to welcome us back. When we say sorry, we've messed up. He will make it all right again. We can be clean. And this is true even for stuff that we get wrong again and again. And temptations like that, it comes and we give in. And then it comes again and we think we will be better, but we don't. We give in to it again. But still, God forgives us. His mercy, his grace, his love never runs out. If you need assurance of that this evening, then our ministry team will be happy to pray for you so you can leave knowing that you are forgiven. So, this evening we've considered this account of Jesus being tempted this morning and this evening. We thought about how he refused to sin. So, let's ask God to help us grow in integrity, in generosity, and humility, and avoid falling into temptation. As we sit, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this example of Jesus. This evening, we just want to maybe rededicate ourselves afresh to serving you with our whole heart. Help us to put you first at all times and never to give in to the temptations of passion, possession or position. And throughout this Lent, this Lenten season, we pray that you will draw us closer to you and teach us how to live a life worthy of our calling. This we ask in the name of Jesus, your Son and our Saviour. Amen. Amen.